So we'll be looking at chapters 13 and 14. And really, when we come to leprosy, we come to the skin diseases, if you will, of the Middle East at that time. And we'll see as we progress in the books of Moses where God actually strikes Miriam with leprosy when she leads the rebellion or kind of the insurrection against Moses. And as we look at the Old Testament, you see leprosy happening at different times. But usually it's something like the Lord allowed. For example, uh, Nahum, Naaman from Syria, and God cleanses his leprosy. He's not even a believer of the Jewish people of covenant, but he comes and God cleanses him of his leprosy, the, the general. And God did that. Uzziah the king, he went into the holy, the holy place as a king but not a priest, and God struck him with leprosy, and he ended his reign, a very long reign, in quarantine uh, by himself. So that was leprosy that the Lord allowed. We don't have a record of anyone really being healed of leprosy as it's described in the text we're going to see tonight. But we do have Jesus in the New Testament hearing the prayers and the pleas of the leper where he heals the leper. Remember, Lord, if you're willing, you can cleanse me. And Jesus did. We have the ten lepers that beg Jesus to heal, heal them or, or cleanse them, as it's really referred to. And he does. And one comes back to say thank you. And Jesus says, where's the other nine? And so that's interesting what we see there. But leprosy is always identified symbolically with sin. And when it is addressed or cleansed, it really is a cleansing as, uh, in contrast to a healing. It's more referred to as a cleansing. So we talk about Jesus' authority to, you know, authority over demons to cast them out, authority over nature to walk on water, stop the wind, stuff like that. Uh, his authority over diseases to cast them out. But with cleansing leprosy, it's his authority to cleanse is how we would describe that in his total, total uh, all supremacy over all things in his universe. So knowing that New Testament stuff with Jesus and knowing other Old Testament stuff that comes from this, we want to frame this, these chapters tonight with that background that leprosy is, with very rare exceptions, symbolic of sin throughout the Bible. And while there's a physical thing, and we see that tonight with quarantining and stuff like that, it always points to something more spiritual, sin. Really, you can say we're all lepers before the Lord. We all have a sinful nature. Romans 3.23 has that idea that we all need to be cleansed. And even as it says in 1 John, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of our sins. And that idea goes together. So keep that in mind as we go forward in the text tonight. So we pick it up in chapter 13. And again, it's the law of God being expounded by God through Moses and Aaron and it's, it's these skin diseases and stuff, and so it's just real, and it's, it's the real deal. And it's like those of you in the medical field, you know, or deal with the elderly and take care of the elderly, and you understand, like, it's just, man, we're human beings, and we're from the dust we came, the dust will return. Verse 1, chapter 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man has on his skin, his body, a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot. So take note of that. This is what we get here. A swelling... A scab or a bright spot. And it becomes on the skin of his body like a, like a leprous sore. Then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons, the priest. And the priest shall examine the sore on the skin of his body. And if the hair of the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous sore. And then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. But if a bright spot is white on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin and its hair is not turned white. Then the priest shall isolate the one who has the sore seven days. So here's quarantining. It's a seven-day quarantine uh, of the one that's defiled, or potentially has the contagion, if you will. And the priest shall examine him, verse 5, on the seventh day. Indeed, if the sore appears to be as it was, and the sore is not spread on the skin, 
Then the priest shall isolate him another seven days. So that's a 14-day quarantine. Then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore has faded, the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. That'd be a good day, right? It is only a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab should at all spread over his skin after he's been seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again. And if the priest sees that the scab has indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. That would just be the worst, right? You got to understand in this culture, like, you know, you think about you go before a court, like a judge, you know, uh, arbitration, civil court, something like that. And, you know, or even arbitrators, and you, you have a, a, a hopeful outcome. Or when you even go to the doctor's office, and you, even though it's bad news, if it's true, you want to know the news so you can treat it right, correct? And, and so that's how it works. But can you imagine, like, you're completely going to be ostracized from society and community if you've got this leprosy. And you're hoping it's only seven days plus seven, 14. But it could just be like, wow, this is really... I mean, you're at the mercy of the priests. And, you know, like, priests are real people. There's good priests and bad priests, I'm sure. There's good judges, bad judges. Good doctors, bad doctors. Good judges, bad judges. Good teachers, bad teachers. Right? There's good and bad in all humanity. So it would just be like, I can't even imagine if you really put yourself contextually in this passage right here. You're just like, wow, like, you've waited 14 days. And I'm like, man, I don't know what priests are going to send me. You know, like, which guy's coming? Like, which Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa pastor when there's 30 pastors on staff? Which one am I going to get? Who does a lot fall to to do my wedding, right? Or whatever. Or who's going to do the baby bat, bat, uh, dedication? You just be like, whoa, here comes the priest. And you're like, I think it looks good, but can I be restored to my family? Can I go back to work? Can I be with my coworkers? Can I go down to the tabernacle area? Right? Like, think this one through. This is very, of all the times we teach in Leviticus on leprosy, August 2020, are you kidding me? This is so real right here. It's amazing. So it's just like he could be pronounced clean by the priest, verse 6, or he can be pronounced unclean by the priest, and it's leprosy. That'd be the worst, verse 8. So verse 9, we pick it up. When the leprous sore is on a uh, person, then it shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the swelling of the skin is white, it has turned the hair white. And there is a spot of raw flesh in the swelling. It is an old leprosy on the skin of his body. The priest shall pronounce him unclean and shall not isolate him, for he is unclean. If leprosy breaks out all over the skin and the leprosy covers all the skin of the one who has the sore from head to his foot, wherever the priest looks, then the priest shall consider. And indeed, if the leprosy has covered all of his body, he shall pronounce him clean. Who has the sore, it has turned white. He is clean. But when the raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. I think of like surfing when you get staff. You know, it looks bad. You know, like that's what we're talking about, that raw flesh. Verse 15. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him to be unclean, for the raw flesh is unclean. It's a leprosy. Or if the raw flesh changes and turns white again, he shall come to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the sore is turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. Who has the sore? He is clean. Wow. So verse 9, this is a sore. Now, Contrast that with verse 2. A swelling, a scab, or a spot. This is a, some kind of a sore. Think like MRSA, whatever. Just something like, you know, that's contagious. You know, it's not good. Like it's, and so, again, it's like you're at the mercy of the priest, but if you are unclean, everyone needs to know, right? Like, you know, if you got MRSA, you don't want to be, you know, with your spouse in the same room or in the same bed. Like, something like that. I mean, we have to think practically, hygienically, because 
the law that God gave is religious, it's moral, but it's also practical for civil health of a society. And this is primarily, contextually, hygienic. That's what we're reading right here. But again, that typology of sin, and we'll get to that in in a little while as we go forward. But he's clean. So, but notice one thing here in these first 17 verses. The priest is never doing the healing and bringing like the medicinal stuff. He just shows up and says, it's gotten better. How God's designed the body with our antibodies to get better or it's not gotten better. Like he's not facilitating the recovery. He's just simply saying, you can go home, you can go to work, you can go to the tabernacle, or you got to stay outside the camp in your little tent and wait another seven days. He's not, he's not fixing it. He's just saying clean or unclean. In a sense, he has no, he's just, his job is to identify it. You think like sometimes ministry, you think is always spiritual, like Bible studies, prayer and all that kind of stuff. But you'd be surprised how many times in ministry as a pastor or a deacon, you get pulled into things that don't really seem quite like it's from the Bible. Just strange, quirky things. Look at right now. Can you imagine trying to be a pastor and trying to figure out like what's really sound science on COVID-19 and how you deal with it and what's not? What's valid coming from the governor or the president? Maybe what's not? Everyone's kind of winging it and guessing it as they go. We can find professional people from politicians to the medical field with exact opposite opinions on just about everything that we're facing and being inundated with on a daily basis. I mean, if the summer of 2020 was just teaching Leviticus, my life would be pretty easy. But it's being out here with helicopters and kids coming down the walkway. It's being wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, having my mask, having my sunglasses, being ready for anything and everything. It's not just teaching a Bible study. Sometimes when you're the priest, you got to say clean or unclean. That's the way it works in life. Sometimes when you're a parent, clean or unclean, you got to make the call. You're the boss. Clean, unclean, like Caesar. You know what I'm saying? Like things are hard in life sometimes. Of all the times Jesus said, be wise as serpent and gentle as doves, is there ever a more appropriate time than this day in August 2020? To be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. Man, we need it. We're singing these beautiful songs with Scott. Scott, I love those songs too. Just come back next week. Bring God of Wonders. I'll sing of your love forever. Bring them all. Bring them all, man. We know them. Bring them. But we need that because we're all facing like clean, unclean. Is it a white hair, a black hair? Is it a boil or a scab? Like literally we're like living this right now. It's, it's incredible. So... We've seen the variation. Now we get a new variation. Verse 18, if the body develops a boil on the skin and it is healed and the place of the boil, there comes a white swelling or a bright spot, reddish white, then it shall be shown to the priest. And if when the priest sees it and indeed appears deeper than the skin and its hair is turned white, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It's a leprous sore, which he's broken out as a boil. But if the priest examines it, indeed there's no white hairs in it and it's not deeper than the skin, but it's faded, the priest shall isolate him seven days. There he is, quarantine. And if should it all spread over the skin, the priest will pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore. But if the bright spot stays in one place and is not spread, it is the scar of the boil, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. Almost like an acne scar or something, you know? It's like, so this is a boil. So see the progression. Swelling, scab, spot, sore, now a boil. Verse 24, there's another one. Or if the body receives a burn on its skin by fire, We've all burned our hand with a frying pan or something like that. 
touch something hot we shouldn't have, mostly as kids, and we still do it as adults by accident sometimes. So if the body is received a burn on its skin by fire, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a bright spot, reddish, white, or white, then the priest shall examine it. And indeed, if the hair of the bright spot is turned white and it appears deeper than the skin, it is a leprosy broken out in the burn. Therefore, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It's a leprous sore. But if the priest examines it, and indeed there are no white hairs in the bright spot, and it's not deeper than the skin, but it's faded, then the priest shall isolate him seven days. There's quarantine. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. If it has, if it had all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It's a leprous sore. But if the bright spot stays in one place and is not spread on the skin, but is faded, it is a swelling from the burn. The priest shall pronounce him clean, for it is a scar from the burn. So these variations of things that happen to our bodies that don't look good, and they don't look good when we're young, they don't look, they certainly don't look better when we get older. And it's just, it was the law of entropy is working against us, and it's just, it's a, it's not a glorious thing except to know that we're going to glory through faith in Jesus Christ toward a glorified body. Though the outward man or woman's perishing, that inward man or woman's being renewed daily in Christ Jesus. So it, it, it is what it is. But again, this is uh, for the community. This is for hygiene. This is for uh, cleansing. Now, obviously, we know in human history, uh, much of humanity, and remember, we descend from superhumans prior to sin. And obviously, holistic healings have been around for a long time where people figure out, put this there, and it'll pull the, the poison out. They would, you know, cut to, to bleed out and different things. The medical history is fascinating when you look at it. And by the way, aren't we all glad we live in the medical world of 2020 and not 1920, let alone 1820? Who knows what they're going to give us before it's all said and done or try and give us. But nonetheless, it's a good time to be sick in the human race, uh, in human history. This is the real world. You know, most people live much shorter lives, as you know, prior to the last couple hundred years. And on this note of things like this, if you take the Black Plague for a minute, the Black Plague was a true plague, straight up uppercase. If you're not aware, when the Black Plague broke out, like the 1400s, 1500s, it wiped out, estimated 80% of the entire population of Europe. It's been said it took the human race two centuries to recover the population totals from the Black Plague. So to get perspective on the history of plagues, and remember the church went through that plague. So when that plague was going on, that plague was an equal opportunity abuser to Muslims in the Ottoman Empire in Turkey and going down into the Middle East. That plague was an equal opportunity abuser to the Russian Orthodox Church and the Russian people, Ukrainians, all the, you know, all the Slavic people, the Cossacks, uh, the Tartars, all of them going to Mongolia. People come from Europe and they go through Russia and they go to Mong Mongolia on the, on the you know, Marco Polo Trail and that stuff. They brought the Black Plague. It was the worst thing imaginable. You can't even imagine what it would just wipe out whole villages, right? Um, even when the Spanish conquistadors came to Mexico, we know they defeated Mexico City more by the plague and the diseases that the Aztecs had not been exposed to than any military plan that they had. It's a, it's a funny thing, pestilence and plagues in the, in the human event. Peculiar funny thing. And now we have this plague, which is a really strange plague, right? Because it is strange. We don't really know where it came from, apart from China. We don't really know how it began. It affects the whole world, unlike any other plague. And it definitely is legitimate. I mean, COVID-19 kills people. Uh, and the more old people they are or poor health they are, the more higher in those societies the death rate goes up. We know it's 0 0.002 fatality, or 99.9% .9 of the people all recover from COVID. 
but that still means people are dying from it. We also know in our free society of America, we've exercised more freedom in how we've responded to COVID-19 than most of the world. So watching people like I do on social media in places like Venezuela, Peru, Ecuador, Chile, Argentina, Costa Rica. I, I follow people on social media, all those places, uh, even Mexico, Brazil. And then a little bit of Europe, UK. Uh, I would also include Russia, of course. And as we watch this all unfold, hey, Sam, make sure that door's closed. They're about to play hoop over there. They're going in to play hoop, so make sure the door's closed. So uh, looking at Russia, it's very interesting because when the Muscovites, who were under lockdown, it's the largest city in Europe, you should know that. 14 million people is the largest city in all Europe, Moscow. And when they, were, when they went on lockdown, so they tried to do quarantine. Putin, you know, checked everyone of uh, Chinese ethnicity for COVID-19. That's what they did. They quarantined them. And they shut down all the air travel like we did. And they tried to, and they were in front of it before we were. But in the end, um, about the same time we loosened up, they let everybody out. And they were having a constitutional election as to whether or not Putin can be the president until 1930, excuse me, 2036. So it's a constitutional referendum to be an indefinite president, which the Russians go for because they like czars that have strong leadership and they like that kind of stuff. And he let everybody out. So 14 million Moscovites came out of their uh, apartments and houses all on the same Monday. They had had, Before that, they had one hour a week they could be outside within 100 yards of their house. That was Russia, just so you know, in Moscow. Not quite the same in Vladimir, Nizhny, Novgorod, and these other places, but there, that's the way it was. So you know what they did? They all came out and they all took their mask off. They, they, they all took their mask off, and, uh, you know, Putin let it go because the election was coming up. But as soon as he won the election, he told them to put their mask back on. And I can tell you right now in Moscow, they're cracking down big time for not wearing masks. So we've kind of went like this, and now it's all tightening up again. And so right now in Moscow, they're giving, you know, $68 tickets on the metro, and they all get around by metro, and they're just, they're tagging people. They're all in masks again. I talked to Pastor Matt here and Pastor Ken from Shoreline about El Salvador. You can't go anywhere in El Salvador right now. They're all masked. I talked to my friends from Chile. The Andersons were at our house last night for dinner. And they said, Pichilemu, a lot of freedom. You couldn't go surfing for four months, which is a strange thing, right? Like you can't surf. Like it's just so random. But in Santiago, they're on total lockdown, mask only. And even today, our president is strongly encouraging everyone to wear masks. Now, the irony of that, of course, and I'm not... I'm just giving you information, right? I don't, I'm not giving you Joy's opinion. I'm just giving you information. The World Health Organization back in April, and I've got the headline in the article, said the masks don't do anything. The CDC came out not long ago and said the masks don't do anything. That's what they've said. I've got those articles. I've, I've screenshotted over 1,000 stories since all began, all on my phone. And if it's a good article, I screenshot the whole article, whether it's CNN or Breebert or anything else in between. I just, if I think it, I get it. So it's really tough. Because you have stuff like that. Now we've got the CDC saying our kids should go back to school. The chief director said today, the kids need to go back to school. It's better they go than not. But who knows? My friends in Peru, they're about to have a baby, and they're leaving where they've been on lockdown for 90 days, Trujillo, to go to Lima. And they've got to wear not just the mask, but the shield to go to the doctor in Lima, to go to the OBGYN. What's your point, Joey? Well, I'm connecting it to scabs, boils, and sores. We just don't know. We just don't know. But as I've been thinking and praying, I'm sure you've been thinking and praying, a very interesting verse came to my mind today in relation to this. And 
Sometimes I say, I know I have the mind of the Lord. Sometimes I think this could be the mind of the Lord. I think it's the mind of the Lord. So, escuchame. So, when they're in Matthew 17, this is the law of liberty. When they, they came to Capernaum and those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your pe- teacher not pay the temple tax? Does your teacher wear the mask or not? And he said, yeah, we, you know, yeah, we, we, yeah, right here. Yeah. And when he came in the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? Listen carefully. This is Jesus teaching on something very interesting that I'm connecting to boil scabs and mask and COVID-19. Listen very carefully. Jesus said to him, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From sons or from strangers? Peter said, from strangers. Right. Does Jesus need to pay a temple tax? I mean, he is the temple. He's symbolic of the temple. Tear this down in three days, I'll raise it back up. That's what he said about the temple, speaking of his body. Do you think the Lord of the universe has to pay the temple tax in Capernaum? From whom do the kings take their taxes? From sons or strangers? Peter said, from strangers. Jesus said, then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, take the fish that comes up first. When you open its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. Yeah, I'm connecting that story. Because everyone's connecting the law of liberty and meat offered idols. I'm telling you, in my prayer, this is a story God gave me. In other words, Joey, just because you don't think it works doesn't mean that you can just go into Albertsons and not wear it or to Wells Fargo. And what's my opinion matter anyways? I mean, the world's on, on the cusp of the edge of a cliff looking at eternity right now. And I do believe, based upon my data, because my son does analytics for Hyundai, and I'm an analytics, analytics guy. I, I just pulled data from all over. I think we're going to see a lot more of this, not that. I think we're going to see a lot more of this. And even though governments abuse these types of things to control people, which clearly we see, do the sons pay taxes? No, but just lest we offend, just look. The coin's going to be the fish's mouth. So maybe when you feel you have to do something you don't want to do, I have a good attitude about when I have to do it. It's when I don't have to do it, I don't have a good attitude. Do you follow me? Do you follow me? Like, if I'm going out, it's just what I do. It's just protocol. But, like, when I'm at the bike bath or something, and people are like, I'm like, what? It's Huntington Beach, man. This is in San Salvador. You know? Like, for real. So that's why I got to like, hey, so I'm going to say this. Maybe scabs, boils, scratches, itches, and MRSA and stuff. Maybe the lesson for us is to see what kind of a coin we're going to pull miraculously from the mouth of a fish when we just say, okay, Lord, we know the sons of the king don't pay tax to the king, but lest we offend, let's just be sensitive. Now, I'm not of the opinion that I need to wear a mask to win people to Christ, so don't misunderstand me. But I am of the opinion that I got to do the best I can to glorify Christ however I can. No one's going to blame me or you when they stand before the Lord why they didn't come to the Lord. Get that straight. They're going to stand or fall on what they chose to do with Jesus or not do with Jesus. Nonetheless, it's a unique opportunity to be the best we can be as each one purposes in their heart. And what I'm saying for individuals, and it's for states, it's for counties, it's for churches. 
Don't get worked up. Don't throw hot coffee on people, okay? Because they're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. Don't throw haymakers at Walmart because you're just wound really tight. And I don't think you would, but it's probably crossed your mind at least once. Or is that just me? Right? Okay. Take every thought captive and obedient to Christ. Now, this is where it gets almost kind of funny, but it says, uh, not funny, but, you know, just, it's human, it's, it's humanity. Like, the Bible's so raw and open about humanity. If a man or a woman, see, now we get the women involved, right? So now the gender actually comes in, and obviously it would apply otherwise, but it's a double emphasis here. So if a man or a woman has a sore on the head or the beard, so I don't think any of the women here have beards, but you might have a sore on your head, then the priest shall examine the sore indeed if it appears deeper than the skin and there isn't a thin yellow hair and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. There's a scaly leprosy on the head or the beard. But if the priest examines the scaly sore and indeed it does not appear deeper than the skin and there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest shall examine the sore and indeed if the scale is not spread and there is no yellow hair in it, the scale does not appear deeper than the skin, he shall shave himself, but the scale shall not shave. And the priest shall isolate the one who is scaled another seven days. And again, just I didn't say this, but quarantine is for people who are sick, not people that are healthy in the Bible. Verse 34. On the seventh day, the priest shall examine the scale, and indeed, if the scale does not spread over the skin and does not appear deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. He shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scale should at all spread over the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall examine him, and indeed, if the scale is spread over the skin, the priest need not seek for yellow hair. (laughs) He's unclean. But if the scale appears to be at a standstill and there is black hair growing up in it, well, the scale is healed. He's clean, and the priest pronounces him clean. If a man or a woman has bright spots on the skin of the body, white bright spots. By the way, I seem to get these the older I get, just in case you don't know. Preview of coming attractions. You just get these funny little, like, I'm like, what is this, Dr. Chen? He's like, dude, it's just you being at the beach too much in the 80s. Um, but, you know, there's different types of bright spots, right? You got you to gotta get a sense of humor as you get older. Otherwise, you just, man, it's not good. Verse 38. If a man or a woman has bright spots on the skin of the body, specifically white bright spots, Then the priest shall look, and indeed if the bright spots in the skin of the body are dull white, it is white spots that grow on the skin. He's clean. He spent too much time in the sun in Bali in the 80s. She spent too much time at the beach at Swami's. You know, like, it's just what it is. It's just white spots, all right? But now verse 40 says, As for the man who has hair has fallen from his head, (laughs) he's bald, but he's clean. And if there is on the bald spot or bald forehead a reddish white sore, it's leprosy breaking out on the bald head or on his bald forehead. Then the priest shall examine it, and indeed, if the swelling of the sore is reddish-white on the bald head or on the bald forehead, as the appearance of the leprosy of the skin of the body, he's a leprous man. So he's not just bald. He's got something going there. He's leprous. He's unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. His sore is on his head. Now, the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean, he shall be unclean. All the days he has a sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Full quarantine here. But you know, this is really is a type of sin if you think about it, because sin just, it isolates us. And really, if you think about it, what is the wage of sin? The wage of sin is death. What's death? It's outer darkness. Hell is being all alone. And heaven is the community of people of faith praising Jesus like we were at the start of service forever and ever in multiplying layers of quantum dimensions of joy inexpressible. That's what heaven is. So it's being with God's people from every tongue, tribe, and nation in the glorious light. That's heaven. 
community, what we all want, you know, what we're designed for, praising the Lord where it's actually established true community in the fullest level by which we're created to be in that fellowship with God and one another. But hell is outer darkness and it's all alone. The Bible tells us that a man who isolates himself is unwise. It's never good to choose to isolate yourself, but there are conditions by which you might need to be isolated. And there's a big difference between the two. So we want to move toward community of faith. But if we need to isolate, situational isolation, by God's decree, like something here, then we recognize that. We understand that. But, man, to dwell alone, and this has been so hard for me with my dad. My dad has been alone in that room, essentially, since March 13th. I touched him March 14th when we brought him some more books and stuff, and Timmy tried to set up his TV with Spectrum. My 90, he was 89 at the time. He's 90 now. I've talked to my dad. I've looked to him and talked to him through the window. I've talked through the window, a you know, thick window, having to wear a mask, which was just the craziest thing ever. And then I'm scheduled to see him outside this Thursday, six feet of distance with a mask on for 30 minutes. And I'm looking forward to it. That's August. Well, today's the 4th, 5th, 6th. That's August 6th. Think how long that's been for my dad. March 13th to August 6th. And... But, you know, like my brother and my sister say, he's always been happy doing his own thing. Because when my mom and dad got divorced, he just, he's like the farmer. He just did his business. And he's pretty, he was a latchkey kid growing up, uh, you know, in a boarding house there in Wisconsin with college students. And dad's handled it well. But I've, you know, we call, we try and encourage him. But, man, Lord, help our parents, help the elderly not to feel isolated. Because they're isolated in Russia They're isolated in El Salvador in their homes where the kids are bringing home the COVID and it's killing them. It's such a difficult time. We we just got to keep the elderly and the sick in our prayers and keep them close to our heart. And we just have to really understand that that's really what hell is, is to be completely alone with yourself, imploding on yourself. I was at Albertson's two days ago and this man was having a meltdown and it was so hard to watch. He's an older man, and every foul and vile word is imaginable in the human experience. He had a mask on, but he was banging his walker and screaming and just spewing all this poison. And the whole store was like, all the checkout counters were like, what is this guy's deal? And he was just having this. And I just thought, man, that's a really bad look for your final chapter of life. We don't want to be that person ever. So that's why we got to let the Lord convict us and humble us and refine us so we're not like that at Albertsons in COVID-19 when we're 90 years old and it doesn't go our way. Does that make sense? We don't want to be isolated for eternity. And if we have to be isolated in time, that's a good time with the Lord, to be alone with the Lord. But that's a selective isolation. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine like having to go, like it'd be like going on Albertsons, right? And you don't have the mask on, unclean, unclean. And think how you get shunned right now in those circumstances. We had our contractor show up a couple days ago. Like, dude, I walked in someone without a mask. Man, you would have thought I, well, dude, wear the mask. It's just, but you're just like, right? That, that's just like, that's almost what it'd be like. I mean, I think we can really relate to this chapter, these chapters. Verse 47. Now we shift gears from the individual being unclean, and now we have your clothes. Because your clothes can get defiled, right? <laughs> yes, they can. 
Verse 47, also if a garment has, now we say the warp and the woof, that's the threading if you don't know sewing. So it's an upward stitch and the, it's a horizontal and vertical stitches, just so you know. So verse 47, if a garment has a leprous plague in it, whether it's woolen garment or linen garment, whether it's the warp or the woof of linen or wool, whether it's leather or anything made of leather, and if the plague is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the leather, whether in the warp or the woof or anything made of leather, it is a leprous plague and shall be shown to the priest. The priest will examine the plague and isolate that which has the plague seven days. So now your clothes are being quarantined. Maybe during COVID when you came home, you know, someone said, hey, take, take, the, take those clothes off and rinse off. I mean, that actually is a pretty good idea if you're thinking that way because that's just good hygiene, right? Like you go out and about, you don't know if you're vulnerable. Like that's, that's actually, it's biblical, for hygienic purposes. The priest shall examine the plague seven days. And he shall examine the plague on the seventh day if the plague is spread, verse 51, into the garment, either the warp or the wolf, the leather or anything made of leather, the plague, it is an act of leprosy. It is unclean. So it's something in your clothes. It's like it's unclean. He shall therefore burn the garment of which is the plague, whether warp or the wolf, and the wool and the linen, or anything of leather, for it is an act of leprosy. The garment shall be burned in fire. Now, most of us have plenty of garments, but in biblical times, people had very few garments. So... You've only got one or two garments. That's a big deal if you've got to get rid of it. Most of us would lose garments like out of like choice, but it'd be pretty serious. And in some countries, it still would be. Verse 53. But if the priest examines it, and indeed the plague is not spread in the garment, either in the warp or the wolf or anything made of leather, then the priest shall command that they wash the thing in which is the plague, and he shall isolate it another seven days. Then the priest shall examine the plague after it has been washed. And indeed, if the plague has not changed its colors, though the plague has not spread, it's unclean, and you shall burn it in the fire. It continues eating away, whether the damage is outside or inside. If the priest examines it, indeed the plague has faded after washing it, then he shall tear it out of the garment, whether out of the warp or the wolf or out of the leather garment. But if it appears again in the garment, either in the warp or the wolf, or in anything made of leather, it's a spreading plague. And you shall burn with fire that in which is the plague. And if you wash the garment, either warp or wolf, or whatever is made of leather, the plague has disappeared from it, then it shall be washed a second time, it shall be clean. This is the law of the leprous plague in the garment of wool or linen, either in the warp or the wolf, or anything made of leather, to pronounce it clean or to pronounce it unclean. So again, you know, things can spread through uh, apparel. Obviously, they can. And that's what this is dealing with here. But the consistency, the consistent thing is if it's bad, get rid of it. Anything, because stuff that spreads, sin spreads, disease spreads. Like, you know, there's just, there's the practical hygienic, but there's that spiritual principle that we're seeing here. Just like, burn it, get rid of it. You know, some things, some things you just need to burn. And I'm not talking about the plague or hygiene. I'm just saying some things you just got to get rid of them. Some things you need to throw away. And you might regret it years later, but like at the time, it was important to do just to get that separation from that emotion, that person, these photos, these things that are a plague to you going forward and what God has for you. Now, I know that's not fully context, but I'm just giving a principle there of something to think about. Chapter 14. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. So we've been through two parts. We covered leprosy on the body, leprosy of the garments. Now, here's the cleansing for leprosy. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, this will be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. So now we're going to get how we get cleansed, pronounced clean. The priest can't do it, but we can be pronounced clean if God chooses to do it. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. Indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, verse 4, then the priest shall command to take from him who is cleansed two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, 
the cedar wood, the scarlet, and hyssop, and dip them in the living, the, uh, and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over in the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. He who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off his hair, wash himself in water, that he may be clean. After that, he shall come into the camp, and he shall stay outside his tent seven days. But on the seventh day, he shall shave all the hair off his head, his beard and his eyebrows. All his hair he shall shave off. He shall wash his clothes, wash his body in water. He shall be clean. And on the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb on the first year without blemish, three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one log of oil. The priest who makes him clean shall present the man who is to be made clean those things before the Lord, present him before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So here's the tabernacle. There we go. Right there, that place of worship. Verse 12, And the priest shall take one male lamb offered as a trespass offering and the log of oil and weigh them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb in the place where he kills the sin offering and the burnt offering in a holy place. For as the sin offering is the priest, so is the trespass offering. It's most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear, the right hand, to be cleansed, and on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of the right foot. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil, pour it in the palm of his left hand, and the priest shall dip his uh, right finger in the oil that is in the left hand, and shall sprinkle some of the oil on his finger seven times before the Lord. And of the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the right hand, and on the toe of his right foot, on the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. Then the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. So the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. So this is awesome because now this connects. Think about this as we've gone through Leviticus. This connects now for us. The, the five offerings we saw, remember the first study, the burnt offering, the grain offering, the thanksgiving offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, four of the five are here. No thanksgiving offering in this, this situation, but four of those five offerings that we looked at for a whole night, they're here. Plus the wave and the heave offering are in here as well. So these brings this, so now we have the application how all these offerings are being used to declare a leper clean. And we studied the priest, right? We had three chapters of the priest. There are anointing, their consecration, and their role. So now, now the priests are fully functioning, and these offerings are in place. The priests are ministering the offerings to the benefit of the individual or individuals who would be looking for a declaration of being cleansed of their leprosy and of being able to be restored to their personal life at home, in society, at work, in community. So now we see all aspects of the Lord's law working together in this situation this way. So these things, they all, God does things for a reason. And he has an order and a purpose for a reason. Like we said, clean food, unclean food. If God says you can have, you can't have it, that's the reason. And a billion galaxies out there, and if he says this is clean, that's not, that's the way it is. And you think, like, wouldn't there be an easier way? Well, Jesus coming on the cross certainly isn't an easy way. There was no other way. There is no other way. The blood of bulls and goats can't cleanse us of our sins. The priest can make atonement with the bulls and goats, but it doesn't take it away. It kind of covers it like a band-aid, 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 but not a healing. 
Jesus Christ is the greatest gift to the universe, and he's the center of the universe. The blood of Jesus Christ is precious. It's the blood of God that saves us from our sins. And God gives us this beautiful story where Jesus is like the priest because he's our great high priest. Jesus is like the trespass offering, the sin offering to declare the leper clean. And Jesus became the leper because he, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we could become the righteousness of God. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So when Jesus is on the cross, he's like the leper. He's paying the price of the leper. He's becoming the leper. He's the one, he's taking our defilement on the cross. And his resurrection brings our cleansing. But he took our place. It's like he became a leper to deliver us from being lepers. And these two birds is the great illustration where two birds and one dies and the blood of the one that's dead is sprinkled on the other one that goes free. It's like the scapegoat, the same thing. One scapegoat dies, the other scapegoat goes free. This is symbolic of the gospel, WG, body of Christ. We're that free bird. Fly, birdie. Fly. Like our cavaliers, they chase birds. Okay. Uh, Lucy and Fitz, they'll be on the couch and they, they can see through the window. The, the birds coming to the bird feeder, hummingbirds, whatever, crows. doesn't matter. They, they just love to chase birds and watch them fly away. I love to see birds. And when we live in such a populated area, don't you love to see animals, insects, life? I do. I really do. You just fly, little birdie. When they fly away, when Lucy's chasing them, and they fly away. Fly, little birdie, you're free. We're the little birdie with the blood on us. We're flying away free. And Jesus was the bird that was executed. And his blood covers us. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit allows us to fly away and become everything we're meant to be, a new creation in Christ. That's the illustration in the story. It's all there. Verse 21. But now here's something for poor people. But if he's poor and cannot afford it, then he shall take one male lamb as a trespass offering to be waived to make atonement for him. One-tenth of an ephah. See, the measurements are lower. Of the fine flour mixed with oil is grain offering, a log of oil. And two turtle doves or two young pigeons, such as he's able to afford. One shall be a sin offering, the other a burnt offering. He shall bring them to the priest on the eighth day for his cleansing to the door of the tabernacle meeting before the Lord. And the priest shall take the lamb of the trespass offering, the log of oil, and the priest shall weigh them as a wave offering before the Lord, then he shall kill the lamb on the trespass offering, and the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, put it in the tip of the right ear, so it's the same thing, of him who is to be cleansed, on the right thumb of the right hand, on the big toe of the right foot, and the priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand, then the priest shall sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is on the left hand, seven times before the Lord, and the priest shall put some of the oil that is in his hand on the tip of the right ear, to be cleansed, on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of the right foot, on the place of the blood of the trespass offering, the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed to make atonement before the Lord. And he shall offer one of the two turtle doves or young pigeons, such as he can afford, such as he's able to afford the one as a sin offering, the other as a burnt offering with a grain offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him who is to be cleansed before the Lord. This is the law for one who has a leprous sore who cannot afford the usual cleansing. See, this is what Jesus wanted the leper to do when he healed him. Remember, he said, go present yourself to the priest, and he didn't. No one had ever presented him to the priest on a biblical record of this happening. And if that leper in the Gospels had done what he was told to do, this is what would have happened as a miracle to declare his cleansing as a testimony for Jesus Christ. The leper lost his testimony because he did not do this. So that's a lesson to us to not lose our testimony, to come up short of doing what God wants us to do. But... Notice the equality. 
You know, it says the gospel is you know, to the Jew first and the Gentile. We know there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither rich nor poor, free nor slave. Like the gospel is glorious. The cross is the great equalizer. And whether we're rich or poor, we all come the same way through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 33. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give to you as a possession, and I put the leprous plague in a house, so now we're shifting gears to the home. This is our fourth part. Leprous plague in the house, in the land of your possession, and he who owns the house comes and tells the priest, saying, Ah, oh, it seems to me that there's some plague in the house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes into the examine the plague, and that all that is in the house may not be made unclean. And afterward, the priest shall go in and examine the house, and he shall examine the plague. And indeed, if the plague is in on the walls of the house with ingrained streaks, greenish or reddish, when it appears to be deep in the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. And the priest shall come again on the seventh day and look. <laughs> Your house is quarantined for seven days. <laughs> Your house has a plague, maybe. And indeed, if the plague is spread on the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which the plague and shall cast them into the unclean place outside the city and shall cause the house to be scraped inside all around and the dust they scrape off the shall pour into an unclean place outside the city. Yeah, it's contaminated. It goes into the city dump. Then they shall take the other stones and put them in the place of those stones and he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. Now, if the plague comes back and breaks out in the house after he's taken away the stones, in other words, you've had a remodel and the mold comes back. Uh, after he scraped the house and after it's plastered, then the priest shall come and look. And indeed, if the plague has spread in the house, it is an active leprosy in the house. It is unclean and shall break down the house. It's stones, it's timber, all the plaster of the house. It shall carry them outside the city to an unclean place. It's all going to the dump. Moreover, he who goes in the house at all while it is shut up shall be unclean until evening. And he who lies down in the house shall wash his clothes, and he who eats in the house shall wash his clothes. But if the priest comes in and examines it, and indeed the plague is not spread in the house after the house was plastered, no, then the priest shall pronounce the house is clean because the plague is healed. <laughs> Look at these priestly duties. What a responsibility. Tell someone they can live in their house or not. Verse 49. And he shall take to cleanse the house two birds, cedar wood, scarlet, hyssop. Then he shall kill one of the birds in the earthen vessel over running water. He shall take the cedar wood and the hyssop and the scarlet and the living bird, dip them in the blood and the stain dip in the blood of the slain bird in the running water and sprinkle the house seven times. He shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and the running water of the living bird with the cedar wood, the hyssop, scarlet. Then he shall let the living bird loose outside the city in the open field and make atonement for the house. It shall be clean. So obviously there's the same thing for your house that was done for you, essentially. Bird gets slain, blood goes on the innocent bird, bird flies away declaring a type of atonement for your house. Verse 54. This is, this is a summary, this is the law for any leprous sore or scale, for the leprosy of a garment and a house, for a swelling and a scab, a bright spot, to teach when it is unclean and when it is clean, this is the law of leprosy. There you go. I don't know, I'm glad I got to teach it in the summer of 2020 because I feel like it's pretty, it's pretty relevant, man. It's like last summer 2019 might not have the same, you know, but with COVID-19, it's definitely alive and active. Now, a couple things to think about with this house. Obviously, you get mold and you get stuff like that. People have lawsuits against contractors. They didn't do the job right or builders. You know, I can remember uh, walls being demolished where I used to work because there was mold in them and uh, things like that happen. It I mean, there's, there's things. When we moved from Coast Mesa Huntington Beach, the first place we lived at for six months was down by the beach, and we were all sick the whole time. We lived there six months, and we were just all perpetually sick, every one of us in the family, and we just felt like there was obviously mold or spores or something there in the house making us sick, and we got out. 
it's what we did, you know, and the people that own the house or the townhome don't want to hear it, but, I mean, we just know that we were healthy and we're all sick for the whole time we lived there pretty much, and we got out of there. So, again, this is a very practical insight about things, and you, these things are unhealthy to our bodies, right? If you're breathing mold spores and things like that in your house, you ideally want to do whatever you can to clean them and get rid of them. That's common sense, and that's actually biblical. So ladies, if you want to tell your husbands we need to remodel on the bathroom or this room, just tell them, honey, it's biblical. We need to do the remodel because it is biblical. God wants us living in healthy, clean homes. In fact, Ivan Prokhanov in Russia, in his vision for the church going forward in Russia in 1935, before he passed away, one of the visions was, is that we have a nice, clean home that we present to the world because our hearts are clean, our minds are clean, and we present a clean product and brand of who we are. All the prettiest flowers, all the prettiest trees reflecting the glory of God that he gave to us in the Garden of Eden. I like that. Like, what glory is there in an unclean home or a poorly kept home or a sloppy home? Just think about it. I mean, really, if it's unto the Lord, we want to look look nice. We just, the, the Lord's orderly. So this is the law of leprosy that God's given us. And uh, our homes, although it's practical as far as physical, again, there's a spiritual element. We want our homes set apart for the Lord. What we allow in our home, we don't allow in our home. The home's a refuge, and it's a haven, and it's a sanctuary. And we want to guard our homes, right? Like, you know, but our homes belong to the Lord. In fact, he even said, if, I, if a leprosy comes in your house that I gave you, it's like the Lord allowed it. And so, like, in, he'll test us with things. And, you know, like, I just found that interesting in the text there. Like, if God allowed something to test us, like, why does my plumbing have to break, right? Why couldn't it be the neighbor's plumbing? I mean, we think stuff like that sometimes. But everything's a test from the Lord. And so we just, our homes are temporal. We take care of them. Our problems are the Lord's problems. And as much as it's physical and hygienic, it's really spiritual and consecration. We want our homes to truly be clean with the Lord. Does that make sense? You guys with me on this one? And, you know, especially parents with younger kids, you you sanctify the home. And when they're older, they might push boundaries, but you're still the governor. And, you know, you're still... You're still Abraham. That's still your tent. And everyone that worked for Abraham was circumcised. He had a standard, God's standard over his house. It's a good word.